Hi, this is Nita Strauss from the Alex Cooper Band, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott here. And Richie. And we are once again visiting the uh, the Maiden catalog. This is uh, fourth, I think. Yeah, fourth. I fourth know. iteration of this one. Uh, how it all blends together. Uh, looking back, this is actually the uh, fifth installment of our deep dive into uh, the Maiden studio albums. As we slowly slog through, and I think sometimes you get into these stretches where... Definitely, the last one was kind of a slog, and this one's got a little bit of that, at least to me, um, that kind of aspect as well, but uh, I think if we keep pace, we may actually finish their current catalog by the end of the year. I think we should, because I'm (laughs) doing that many interviews, so uh, it seems to be all discussion episodes these days, which I honestly don't mind. Um, So we finished off with Brave New World, and... There are fans out there that feel that we probably should finish with Brave New World <laughs> um, because these albums that we're going to do tonight and and, when, and the last two mm-hmm. that, that we're going to finish with, they're, they're very polarizing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fans have a love, love-hate relationship with them. Some absolutely love them. Yeah. Some fans, they don't hate, hate them. It's just, yeah. Yeah, what's interesting is... And and I find it, it's in these albums. I also, it's a similar thing, a similar concept that I hear with the the modern day Metallica stuff as well. Not so much 72 seasons, but you definitely heard it in, in Death Magnetic and you heard it in Hardwired. And they they kind of got this different sound that a lot of their songs were based around. And I can't really describe it, but when I hear it, I'm like, yep, okay. That's modern day Metallica, and and I feel like listening to these that there's a lot of these songs on this al- on these albums that have that same kind of thing where it's almost like Steve has fallen into these little like thematic things that keep coming up and up again, and um, and granted, you know, someone says, "Gee, everything that Michael Shanker does, you know it." It sounds like Michael Shanko, and he'll be like, "Well, yeah." So I can fucking copy myself. So you know, I think about that on one hand, but on the other, like he's always done that. But this is kind of to me a different thing with Maiden, where I don't know if it's the method of recording where they're like they're jamming and Kevin's going, "Let's go and do it," and and they just fall into these like traps. And and you hear it to me, anyways, a lot with the intros where you kind of hear this intro and go. Is that the intro for this song or the intro for that song? Or is it some little outtake from a Lord of the Rings movie? Or it's, there's just, I don't know how to describe it, but I I hear these like similar harmonic content over and over again. Not every single song, but definitely the slower ones or even some of the mid-paced ones. I hear the same kind of thing in them. Um, And it starts really with, more so with these albums. Well, when they got back together for Brave New World, um, I think people were ecstatic about that record. And right. I think a lot of that had to do with 
that Bruce and Adrian were back. Yep. Right. And, you know, people were just glad of, about that. Mm-hmm. And then I think that made the album to a lot of Maiden fans that didn't like the Blaze era go, holy shit, this album is fucking amazing. Right. Because it was an album that didn't have Blaze on vocals and it had Adrian on guitar and Bruce back on vocals. And it had halfway decent album art. <laughs> yeah. And I said on the last episode that we did, a lot of Brave New World I really like, but it's actually grown up. You know, I don't listen to it as much as I, I used to. Yeah. And it's... It's not an album that I'd put on now and go, holy shit, this album is amazing. It's actually gone down in my estimation, I think. Yeah, o- it's not one of those years. like one of those you listen to it again after ten years and go, what the hell was I thinking? Like I like with like Death Magnetic, where I, I you know was like, oh yeah, okay, good new Metallica, whatever. Not that impressed, and then I let that sit for a number of years and put it back in, and it was like, wait a minute, what was I thinking? Mm. Like, there's a lot of good stuff on here, and now we. Go on to the next record, which is Dance of Death. Yep. Um, which I believe was 2003. Three. Yeah. Okay. With a, with a horrible cover. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh let, let, all right. Let's start there. I think w- with the Maiden albums, I think we always have to talk about the album covers because their early artwork is so iconic. Yeah. This album cover is shit. And, and, and I think the band even admit to it that it's not really that good an album yeah, cover. Yeah, it's like this... They fell in love with this digital art. The, you know what's so oddball about this? The dog. Is that, <laughs> well, to me, it's the fact that how many people actually noticed Eddie in the middle? Because everything else is so like, what the hell? That, that the, the closest thing to actual real maiden artwork, as far as I'm concerned, is just Eddie's face inside that hood. Yeah, and you can really see it on the vinyl. Yeah, it's not you can't so see it in the CD. In, on the CD, yeah, there's just screwed. there's too much going yeah. on. It's dark. Yeah, um, but you can really see it on the vinyl. How bad it is! It's just it's not a good Iron Maiden cover. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, yeah, I, I every time I've I've seen this, it's like, what are they thinking? And <laughs> And then it's like, and then I'll pick it up and go, oh yeah, that's right. You got, you do have Eddie in the middle. That's right. But yeah, it's I've, I never liked this cover. Mm. Um. So what have we got on this? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. So we got an eleven-song album. Uh huh. Um. You're probably looking at well over an hour. Um. While the streams was, of course, the first single. Uh, three and a half minutes. Right. Four minutes and great opening track. Yes, so, so if you if you put this on and you first hear that song, you you're like, "Fuck yeah!" Right? You have a lot of excitement when you hear that one. I mean, realistically, all three of the first songs, uh, "Wildest Dream," "Rainmaker," and "No More Lies," crunch down the intros, and you have good solid three songs in a row. Even even Monsagor is has got some little punchy parts to it and that's not bad either. And then it goes to shit with dance of death, which is like you name your album after that song and you, and you would almost think, okay, you want to make this like a real good title track. And that is probably the worst freaking song on this album. Yeah, it probably is. It is just it's like a like flaccid nearly mess. nearly nine minutes long. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, it's horrible. It is horrible. Yeah. Rainmaker is very good. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the streams, Adrian Smith, as you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm right? always, I'm always, same thing with Brave New World, right? Um, it's like, opens up with an Adrian song. Rainmaker, okay. actually, is a Dave Murray co-write. Yeah. Which is rare. Yeah. Um, no More Lies is Steve Harris. Um, we'll get to the intros eventually. Yeah. Um, I, well, Monsegur, I love. I love that song. Like I said, there's some good punchy guitar work yeah. in there. Um, and it's and that one there, it, it's like not an immediate for me, but it was like that one's one that has grown on me. Um, but yeah, that's that's so you kind of have good four, and then you hit Dance of Death, and then even Gates of Tomorrow. Gates of Tomorrow is like, bitching there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's what okay, the hell, right? It's not crap. And and then they did do the good traditional thing though, because then you start you start the B side with New Frontier, Nick or Colwright. I think it's his first Colwright, which is. Another good song. It is a very good song. So when you talk about these, you know, trackside openers, they did really well on this album, right? Yeah. But then after that, you know, Poshendale. Tremendous. uh, I hate it. Tremendous song. I hate it. Adrian Smith decides to try and write (laughs) the epic. Yeah. Um, I I saw the tour Uh and they played this live. It was fucking amazing. Now, what I will say is, I, l- I looked at that name, and I'm already biased about the song. I look at the name, I look at the length, and go, oh, fuck me. So I will, I will say, though, the song didn't end up being as bad as I expected it to be. I still don't like it. Okay. <laughs> it's the two long songs you don't like on this record, oh, then. I don't like Because they're the two longest, the title track and this. Uh, Face in the Sand, I really like. Yeah. It's very punchy. Uh-huh. I, think it's, I think Nico's got the double bass drums on that, for, and that's rare. Um, Age of Innocence is a pretty good song. Uh, Journeyman is a big time departure for the band, and that's like they played that live when I saw them too. They could have just left that off and made a well, ten-song album. <laughs> well, I don't mind. The, I don't mind the departure with this song yeah. on on this record. I actually, I think the song is pretty well written. I think the other part that probably plays an important part here, right, is that for anyone who hasn't listened to the first three on here is that the our two different entries into maiden are markedly different because i come in at the beginning and i mean you discovered him with power slave or somewhere in time but you initially did it as with um live after death didn't you yeah right, it was like yeah it was live right. after death and then your first studio one somewhere was, in time yeah so you're a little bit so some of some of this kind of progressive stuff has already started to creep in on those albums. Some, some, yeah. It, they're still more straightforward and punchy. They are, yes. But these ones are not. Yes, but but I think you've got um, probably a little bit more tolerance to some of this. Just and and I'm just spitballing, but just based upon kind of this this ingrained expectation of of Maiden. Yeah, well. Maiden, when I got into them, they, they, they were doing Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Then you had Alexander the Great. Yeah. Then you had Seven Son. Um, and then they went back to basics with No Prayer. But they were doing the epic tracks on the earlier studio right. albums. They just weren't doing as fucking many of them as they right. are on, on these and, ones. And so then you look at that. Like, there's a seed there, right? So even though I like Seventh Son, I have a Seventh Son. That's one of these songs that, and you, you hear that thematic thing get repeated on at least one song on every one of these albums too, where you almost could, it's almost like Bruce could be singing that whirling around in circles. No, do you know what it is? 
and it's it's interesting you brought that up because I was going to bring it up later on. There's nearly always one song on all these records that has the title of the song, and all he says is the title of the song mm. as the chorus over and over again. No more lies, no more lies, no more lies, no more lies. Right. Seven son of a seven son, seven son of seven son, seven son of seven son, seven son. Yeah, but there's also this, I don't know how to describe it, this like dervish mentality of this, uh, this like this, and, and probably what you just described adds to it, but it's this very like just whirring circular thing. And it's it's like, oh my God, really? And, and yeah, I, that's probably the seed of it is seventh son. <laughs> I love seven songs. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I don't, and I'm, I, and I said, I'm like that when they, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Then you kind of hear like rep- reprisals of it and go, all right, I'm not getting it. So Did much. you catch the Dance of Death tour? I don't remember catching that. I saw it in Dublin, and yeah. I can't for the life of me remember who was supporting. I was probably in the bar, or, or, or it was someone I just didn't have any interest in. I don't, I don't think it was someone like Lauren Harris or someone I'd like that. I'd have to actually I think look that was later. back to, yeah, I think she would have been too young. Yeah. Um, I know she did support the Maiden on later tours. I'd have to look back and see where they were even were here because they were probably somewhere really small. Because you got to figure even after that, Brave New World. Well, you got to figure that Matter of Life and Death. They played the Aganis Arena, at Boston College. <laughs> okay, I shit you not. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, I I don't even remember where they would have played on this tour. Okay. Okay. Crap, yeah. Crap album cover. Yeah. Um, some great songs on it. Uh, one or two. I'm not really a huge some, fan of, but some good, some good overall sequencing. And I'm sure they probably had a lot of discussions about this, about how do you put some of the, you know, what do you want to do with, with all the plotters? But I love that they carried the tradition on of that really just like ear grabbing first song and on each track I, I just that was always something that just i loved about sequencing and they, at least they hit that here and initially yeah you you put this on and you you listen to those first four songs and you think you're going to be in for one hell of an album and then you kind of go down a little bit of a, when, a whirlwind when you heard this for the first or second time did you say yeah that's where i knew maiden we're going to go after brave new world the direction they were going to take or did no. anything on this shock you Maybe the last track probably shocked you. So I was probably thinking more of not so much what the fuck are the long songs, but why do we have like so many slow ones when like like you clearly can still write some of these barn burners, shorter songs that sound really good, and yet you're you're kind of it's almost like there's a tug of war going on here with what direction. And, and Steve wins. He does. Well, he always wins. <laughs> That's the, the rhyme of the ancient area, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you've, people were jumping up and down. Oh, Kevin Shirley, don't like the sound on his records. They brought him back and sounds a lot like Brave New World to me. Yeah, and Kevin's got a certain sound and, and it's not Martin. Um, it's very live sounding. It is. And I mean, even on here, you know, you have... You you hear it, I think more on this one, where you do hear like some jammy stuff that happens at the end that's just kind of left in there as opposed to a fade or a cut and stuff. And, and that's cool to hear. Um, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's Kevin. And so you're kind of capturing that studio vibe, which is mm. cool. Mm. 
and again, co-writes all spread around on it. Nice to see Dave and especially Nico get a yeah get, get their uh, get their co-writes in. Yeah, um, rare Murray. <laughs> I pre- I prefer this record to Brave New World. Okay, so we move on to a matter of life and death, which is what is that? Two thousand six, six or seven. I think it's six. We, we researched this well, didn't we? We can't even remember the name, the year they came out. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Can't freaking see it. Yeah, our eyes aren't what they yeah, used to my be. My eyes are shot. But uh, I, I love the cover. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, this cover actually, because I initially I got this on CD, um, and this was one where I was actually like I knew beforehand it was coming out. I was looking forward to it. Like maybe they would do more of some of the songs they did on the prior one. Um, but I remember seeing this on the CD and like going, "Wow, that cover looks really really cool," and I actually like it even better on the vinyl. Yeah. Um, it is. It's a lot better to cover than uh, than, than oh, yeah. of Death. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And of course, the, the War Team, which I think goes through nearly all the record, mm-hmm. um, it, it matches that. Yep. Um, I've always really liked the pictures on the inside of the record. It's got like a blue hue. Yep. Um, just a little bit different to Dance of Death, which is very colorful. Right. These are like very stark. Yep. You know, basic. Yeah, which kind of gives it. Yeah, it's the whole album cover art has this kind of very austere, kind of a downplay dark, thing. Kind of yeah. a dark, yeah. dense. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think this album is an absolute masterpiece. It is easily my favorite record they've done since Bruce came back. Really? Easily. Yeah. I, I, when I heard this the first few times, I was like, oh fuck yeah! Huh? Just consistently brilliant. I mean, I, I, I. Different world. I was like, great. These colors don't run. Ah, fuck. We're in a circular song again. <laughs> right? Then Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. Fantastic. Interesting song. Heavy. I always think of that one as it opens up sounding like Tool, and then they transition to Rush. Yeah, it's it. this is where they start to get really progressive. And I was wondering about that, you know, what you thought of that one, because that's what I hear. Yeah. I hear, you know, I hear... I hear that tool tonality right at the beginning for the intro stuff, but the other parts, the phrasing, all the other work behind it, that is like, holy crap, it's a Rush song. It could easily be a Rush song. Then after that, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost on this one until Lord of Light. <laughs> See, that's interesting. We have both different opinions on this. Like, it, it, I think about half this record is Smith Harris Dickinson co-writes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steve has only got one song on his own, and that's for the greater good of God. Um, Brighter Than a Thousand Sons, I love. Different World is your your single. It's your four and a half minute, yep. punchy, yep. up-tempo. Good rocker. opener. You yeah, know, good very opener. happy with that. Um, the Longest Day, I think, is fantastic. I just love the way some of these are, these songs are constructed, the way they build and build and build, and they don't really go way off yeah that the later albums go where they go all right we throw in this bit and then we'll change the tempo here and then we'll bring a back keyboard acoustic guitar and all that and 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 some of that and some of this may be that something like that longest day right what's that seven minutes yeah 
It just and builds and builds yeah, and builds. And it's just kind of, but it, to me, it's like, all right, oh my God, is it over yet? The longest song? It's just, yeah, I know. That's what I like. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's like, it's, 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 it's almost like, you know, is Bruce going to start rapping on this? I, I, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. That, those, like I said, I, I'm good with Different Worlds, Brighter, and then, I, and then after that, I, I'm like... I, the reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg is brilliant. Murray Harris. I think it's a fabulous song. That was the, sing, that was a single as well. And I've, it's about eight I've gone, long. I've honestly, I've gone back and forth on that, where it's been like, oh yeah, that's a pretty cool song. But then I've gone to, no... It's too fucking slow. And the legacy, I think, is excellent as well. I, I, I don't have any issues with anything on this record. None. <laughs> and I had issues on the one before. Right. Um, I, I don't know. It's just this album, I just think, is brilliant. Yeah. And I remember I was an avid reader of classic rock. I was a subscriber. Mm-hmm. Where was I living at the time? I was still in Ireland. And um, th- this was their album of the year. Wow. Yeah, when it came out, they huh. were all, they raved, up, raved about it. And then at the end of the year, with all those albums that came out, they said, "Yep, this is still the best album of the year." Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and that's and it's and again with this one too, there's really they continue on with the intros, like the unnecessary intros. Yeah. Not not um, as bad as the next album. Yeah. Well, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, but I just remember. That it was that was one of the things was just the intros and almost and some of them in some cases it was almost like a gratuitous intro where you it's like okay well I'm going to just take the needle I'm going to skip over the intro ah there's the song and there's and in a lot of cases they're not even they're it's almost like what Sabbath used to do when they had to put like an extra song in an album. So they'd do a little instrumental part and tack it on the front of a song. But it had nothing to do with the song. It's like and Kevin Shirley recorded the band playing everything and then said, right, we yeah. put everything on the vinyl. Yeah. It's, I can see if, you know, you have an intro thing that is like, oh yeah, it's memorable because that like relates to the song and it goes back in. And But you don't really see that. You might see this big long intro and then a little snippet of that happens at the end as the outro as well. And Bruce kind of does his wispy little voice thing at the end. And then the little snippet comes in and it's done and it starts on this one What they're doing that. Yeah. It's, it starts on it, but I think it definitely becomes more prevalent <laughs> oh, it's, later on. Oh yeah. It definitely um, is. Now, of course they pissed off a lot of fans touring this cause they decided to play the whole fucking thing. Uh-huh. And some fans went fucking ballistic because they had to sit. If they had to sit through all of this, they right. might like some of it and not right. other parts of it. Right. And then you get your three or four classics right. at the and end. This, and this was the album. I'm glad you you reminded me on this too. This was that dividing line album where basically after that it, they came back with, okay, fine, we're going to do start doing a tour for the album. Then the next tour will be. Your classic greatest hits, whatever you want to call it. But they it. never played a whole record again after this. No, but it was. But they did. They, they That's did. The do albums the, were too long. <laughs> but they did do more of a. Hey, we're going to concentrate on this, and you'll get your others. And and I think now the last, the last two, they've kind of backed off on that. Obviously, Legacy is is kind of your greatest hits one, right? But even when they were touring. 
prior to that one, the, the tour before that, Book of Souls, there was still more of um, more of of the other songs. I mean, granted, you, you've got whatever the hell that big ass long song is on Book of Souls, Red and the Black, yeah. Or the or no, Emperor um, of the Clouds. Yes, yeah, Emperor they, of the Clouds. They can never do that live. They said that. It's about 20 um, minutes. You know, so you can't... So you have these, like, bigger, longer songs and things like that. But they did still concentrate a lot on the shit that everybody knew. So they kind of backed off of it a little bit. Um, but, yeah, this is where they were kind of like, okay, look, we're going to do this. Then we're going to go and do, uh, you know, kind of the, the the greatest hits. And we'll, we'll bring back some old staging and we'll do, you know, that's when they started doing all that. It started but with this one. They didn't play Dublin on this tour. I've never seen them do any. Have I ever seen them do any of these songs live? Um, I have not. And so as much as I love the record, I never saw them do any of it live because hmm. they literally played the whole thing on that tour and then hardly played any of it ever I just, again. I remember too, you know, another buddy of mine who was really big in the Maiden who started at about the same time I did. And I can remember him saying, you know, oh, they're, they're kind of coming around. I'm like, yeah, they're playing the Aganis. And he's like, the fuck's the Aganis? And then, and then I told it? him and he's like, and it's, it's their ice hockey rink. So you're looking at 6,000? I don't, even, I don't know if it's even that much. Okay. And he was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And he was stunned. And he's, and, and I don't even, I think probably now with Boston calling, they might've had, they might've used that for that. But I don't ever remember like bands even playing in that thing. Like, it was, what the fuck? I just remember yeah. the band announcing before the tour that they were playing the whole album live. Mm. So everyone knew. And you had a choice whether to go or not to go. Yeah. And then people who went still bitched. And I'm like, yeah, but you knew they were going to play the whole record. Right. They explained that they were going to do it. And they explained why they were going to do it. Because they were really proud of the songs. Yeah. And they wanted to play the whole thing because they felt that as a, it had to be played as a whole. Right. To get the whole experience. Now, some fans were like, ah, fuck that. I want to hear The Trooper and fucking Ratchild. Yeah. And but hey, if you know ahead of time, then don't bitch. Don't go. <laughs> you know? You yeah. can bitch, but just don't go. Yeah, don't go. Don't go and then bitch. It's like right. you already knew they weren't going to fucking play right. yeah. a lot of the stuff you wanted yeah. to hear. I mean, it's funny, right? So we were, um, you know, we're talking before we started recording about uh, going out to the um, Last in Line show. And that it was my turn to attract weirdos. And there was one guy that came up to me and he was he was in the bag and he was like, and they were playing one of the songs off of Jericho. And, and he, was, he was like, what's this shit? Like, where's Holy Diver? We started listening to all these Dio songs. And I'm like, dude, these guys have three albums of original material. He's like, what? I'm like, yes, they started as, they're the Dio band. They are the original Dio band. And one of them died. Yeah. It's, well, Jimmy couldn't help that, right? Two of them died. Um, well, Jimmy, <laughs> what I'm saying is, one of them died. Yeah. Jimmy died. Yeah. He was in so the band. But I'm like, I'm like, dude, there's you, you. You should be respecting the fact that they're not just treading on what they did. They're putting out new good music. I'm like, come on, admit it. The songs that you don't know, they're pretty fucking good. And he's like, Yeah, you're right. I'm like, then enjoy all of it. I'm like, go 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 up to the merch booth so they've got other albums up go there go wait for Dio Disciples go to come grab out them and then go watch, you know? get your Dio fix but then after that he was like you know, yeah and he kind of gave me the fist bump and he's like thanks man and he walked but it was like and you went I never want to see you again for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if should we should we maybe do like a, a 37 minute intro before we start discussing this album? No. <laughs> Final Frontier. Uh, what year was this? Uh, one, Scott? 2010. Right. I'm still living in Dublin at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, fucking album cover is awful. I don't like it. Okay. So I terrible. So, so for a long time, this is the version I had. Yeah. Came in a little metal box. Yeah. Um, till I got the vinyl, and it actually looks, it looks darker and looks kind of cool there. Um, but this is definitely, I mean, I do like some of the stuff they brought back thematically, where they kind of have the, the little skull guy. Yeah, it's like the, you know, two thousand and one version of the little skull mm-hmm. guy from the prior album and stuff. So I like the fact that. That thematically on the cover, they did some of those little somewhere in time Easter egg stuff where you have to you have to kind of look for it, which is cool. Um, not that there's a shitload of it, but it is always cool to kind of look at that and uh, see what you can see on it. But this album cover, I know when the album when it came out, there was a lot of people who were like, "How the f- what got rejected if this was the cover?" <laughs> um, I just think it's awful. Well, you got I mean you got all kinds of samples of it. <laughs> Well, the, even the ones on the inside aren't great either. No, they're not. Um, oh, you know, and the, and then they really this album to me, um, it's experimental a little more experimental than than a matter of life and death and what and the two albums that came before it, and even the stuff that's of a similar vein to mm-hmm. those three records. Yeah isn't as good on this as it was on, on Brave New World, Dance of Death, and A Matter of Life and Death. Yeah, I... It's... I mean, I... I like, like, let's talk about, like, that Satellite 15, The Final Frontier. Right. So at least three they, at least they name the damn intro but something three, it's else. three minutes of nothing. It's nothing, I know. It's And it's one... It's like... Do you, uh, what, what I compare that to uh, as being pointless is... The monks in the beginning of Sign of the Cross that goes on for a couple of minutes. It's uh-huh. like, wh- wh- why? Yeah. What is this? It's like, okay, we're going to try some new stuff on a new record, and 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 you have you look at the you look at the Wicker Man as track one, and then you look at Wildest Dreams track one, different light track one, hmm. boom, made in four and a half minutes single. Here you go. Yeah. And then this comes on, uh-huh. and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, I was. This is where at least the, the the prior two had an engaging opener, and this one I was like, okay, so it's going to be a long intro. Holy fuck! How long is this thing? And and then you and then you think, okay, maybe it'll be fast once it, or it kicks in, and it's it's no, a different track. You know, it's <laughs> like it's just no, it's not not happening. So at least track two. I think is a single, wasn't it? I'm not done. I'm, yeah, I'm not done with track one. Okay, this is, again. They're not either. They're still playing. So it. again, the final frontier. Yeah. The chorus goes: the final frontier, the final frontier, the final frontier, <laughs> the final frontier. I'm, I'm like no more lies, no more lies, no more. I'm like yeah. fucking hell, really? And this happens on other tracks on on all these albums as well, where yeah. the chorus is just the title mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. Angel and a Gambler would be another one, you know. Yeah. It's like, fuck me. Like, you know, can you not get something that it's, rhymes instead of just saying the same thing over and over again? Yeah, I don't... With a different cadence? 
Um, El Dorado, never liked that either, and that was the first single. See, um, I, 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 I enjoyed it. It certainly that kicks one. in the beginning, like it just literally goes. Bish. Yeah, I, I kind of I like that one. Part of it I liked is this. This is this is one of those historical narratives that kind of did that. You can listen to the lyrics and you see, you hear a story and and I for, I for some reason that one resonated with me. So I I like that one. Um, yeah, just my preference. Yeah, just now and and when I saw them, the album I don't think was out. I think El Dorado was out. Yeah, it came out um, much earlier. Yeah, yeah, and they played that live, and it was the only track off the record. And I remember Bruce talking about the album, saying you're going to be really happy with it if you we we got we tried a, a you know we tried and experimented a bit more on this, and it's a long album, and mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh it's going to be great then and then I listen to it and like, oh, not really yeah um, Mother of Mercy is good that one didn't resonate with me either I, this one then I'm kind of I'm like yeah okay New Maiden but I'm not I don't get happy again till The Alchemist um, where are we trying to read all the co-write credits so Satellite 15 The Final Frontier I think Adrian Smith wrote the final frontier, and Steve Harris wrote the intro. Uh-huh. You, know, you think I'm right? He wrote the weird shit in the beginning, the two or three minute thing, and then Steve, and then Adrian wrote the actual the catchy, yeah. catchy tune. El Dorado, Smith Harris Dickinson, Mother of Mercy, Smith Harris, Coming Home. I don't mind either. It's mm. kind of a ballad. Yeah, um, that's a Smith Harris Dickinson song. The Alchemist is. Uh, that's where Yannick gets his his writing credits. Um, yeah, that's a good track. It's that's that should be the first song on the record. It's got that you know gallop, right? That you associate with with Maiden. It's four minutes twenty nine seconds. Isn't I thought also is it coming home? Think it is. Isn't, isn't coming home also the one that you could mistake that for dust in the wind? I don't know. If you're asking me, like, what key is it written in and all that shit? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I think that's the one that sounds like Kansas. Yeah. Um, so the first, the first half of the album is a bit hit or miss for me. Yeah. And then we get into the second half, and this is where they really pushed the envelope with song lengths and intros and shit. Like, like the Oil of Avalon is nine minutes long. It's a, an Agent Smith, Steve Harris track. It, to me, it just never goes anywhere. It starts off really well, and parts of it, to me, sound like Bruce is really straining singing. Yeah. Bits of it. Yeah, everything on the tail end of this album just leaves me cold. Yeah, it, it's, and again, this, this song starts off really well. And it kind of, it's kind of, we'll glue this bit to this bit. Yeah, there's some little, like, bit. and, that, and, and it doesn't that's flow. a good point, because there's some spots where you go, that's a gnarly guitar tone that's happening there. That really cool crunch, and you're like, wow. And then it changes, and you're like, oh, all right, well, that passed. Hmm. Um, that track just doesn't do anything. And I li- again, I, I listened to these records mm-hmm. the last couple of days, and I got to the Isle of Avalon, and I'm like, it still does nothing yeah. for me. Starblind's very good. Um, but that's... Who wrote Starblind? Let me think. 
Smith-Harris Dickinson. Um, so you're looking at Isle of Avalon's nine minutes, Starblind yeah. is seven minutes, yeah. 48 seconds. That's kind of up-tempo. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's a well, I think it's a, it's a very good song. And then the Talisman is nine minutes long. Uh-huh. That's Smith and Harris. And that's where you start to get the, is this one got the, the acoustic intro? And, or is this the one with the bass intro? Or is this the one with the keyboard intro with the bass? Right. Um, that's two minutes long. And th- the last three tracks are all fucking guilty of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, la- the, the Wild Wind Blows yeah, is 11 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing, too, I mean, it's not... You can really hear the I want to be progressive on these, which I think lends also to the, you know, which song has which part in it and which song am I listening to? They're not, and I should say that they're not, they're not bad songs. They're just not good maiden songs. It's I've, What I find with this record, especially on the back half, I could listen to those songs four or five times. Mm-hmm. And then if someone asked me, what do they go like? What, what do they, yeah. they hum some of it? Yeah, I'm there's like, no hook. I, I, I can't. Yeah. They just don't stick with me. Right. Um, and, and that's, because they're and not, that's part of what happens with a lot of progressive stuff, too. I, yeah, I think what you get on the last three four, or four songs, especially the last three, is you have your intro that should have been edited by at least a minute. Mm-hmm. You have a chorus that actually isn't a chorus. It's a pre-chorus because you actually get the real chorus after two more verses. And then it goes back to the pre... And you're like, fucking hell, this is all over the place. And then you have your... Oh, it's coming up to the solo. So now they slow it down to half pace, and then you get your the riff comes in, and then the solos come in. Yeah. So it's like there's a it's it's a bit of a song here and then a bit here, slow it down here, a bit here, riff here, and it's like all the fucking same. Yeah, and there's no there's no there's no hooks. No. And that's and that's no like, and, it, and it may be that that's kind that, of what Steve wanted is want, just you, to be progressive. Want, like maybe put the alchemist in the middle of them. Yeah, and then I might have gone okay. That that's it's more digestible that mm-hmm. way. Here's the the song that's more instant in yeah. the middle of these epics, and yeah. all you have is epic, 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 long intro, long intro, lo- long intro, outro, spoken word outro, which you alluded yeah. to earlier on, um, which you'll see, definitely see on the Book of Souls. Um, and even Sinjutsu, but you know, part of me feels like the band are like they went too far with this one. Yeah, um, you know, it's not again, it's not crap, but there's some songs on this that I love, but there's others I'm like, yeah. even even, and they say with progressive music, you know, you have to keep keep listening to it, and eventually you'll get it. This album is fucking thirteen years old. And mm-hmm. there's some songs on this that I've tried, and there are in Maiden. I love Maiden. Yep. So I probably tried ten times harder on an album like this from Maiden than I would on a generic band I didn't know to yep. get it, and I still don't get it. Yeah. Some of these I just don't like. I, I put on When the Wind Blows tonight when I was driving down here, and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Re- like it goes on and right. on and on. Right. And and the thing I mean I I should point out too, like with everything you just said. You're a big Dream Theater fan. Yeah, but even with them, there's they have songs or albums that I'm like, eh. like there's certain albums right, with them that I love. But, it, and, but it's the fact that you you listen to other 
it's not like you're not used to listening to anything with the progressive no, leaning. No, my favorite band is Rush. Yes. And Yes. But, I like I like Yes too. But, but Rush for the most part they always have hooks in there. Oh yeah. There's things that you can you kind of just grasp on it. And and when they and if they had an album that they that maybe they were really enthralled with but then after the fact <coughs> You know, so if this had been a Rush album, right, I think after the fact, they would have gone back and gone, huh, we did something wrong on that album. Something doesn't feel right. And, and you see that. You see where they, they, they went in directions and then went, wait a minute, we're, now we're not having hooks. Now we've gone so far deep into synth land, we need to get back into guitar hooks and something that's more identifiable and landmarks. And, and they would change producers and... and try to get all of that type of stuff and i think that's why we're you know nick wrestle in it's in the last what thing the last two albums for them uh yes that that he i think he brought them back to that sense of we can be progressive we can make these kind of epic story albums but we can have hooks as well that like a rush fan will grab onto yeah definitely and i think rush edited themselves a lot better yes um, yeah, they did. Well, also because it was, it definitely was a partnership. Yeah. I think you, you bring up Rush, right? And my least favorite Rush record, and bear in mind now that I got into Rush in the 80s, so this might piss off a lot of people. My least favorite Rush record is Caresses. <laughs> right? Because it was so too. experimental and yep. all over the place. Yeah. This Final Frontier to me yep. is their equivalent. Right. And, and even then, I mean, Rush has even said, "Like, what the fuck were you thinking with Caress of Steel?" Yeah, like, I, we, we I, went. I, I listened we lost to some. Of, I listened to some of the Final Frontier, and I'd say the same thing. Right? What the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. Maybe you were thinking you were writing songs that were as good as A Matter of Life and Death, because and they were long songs. Mm-hmm. But to me, the long songs on A Matter of Life and Death are much better than the long songs on this one. Yeah. Um, they're repeating themselves in song length. Yeah. I don't think in song quality they're repeating what they did on A Matter of Life and Death. Mm. Yeah, because I was, I was really enthused, you know, with some of the songs on Dance of Death. Matter of Life and Death was still a good album overall. Um, there's still some exciting stuff on there. And then you, you know, you see this is coming out and you can, they've had a couple years and you get it. Okay, you know, which direction are they going to go in? Maybe they'll have some more short ones and they'll, and yeah, they just kind of went the opposite direction. And in a way, they've kind of continued to do that even after this. But yeah, I I was didn't have the same excitement as I had when I was expecting to hear the album as to after I heard the album. And it's still yeah, I still haven't really like grabbed on to this one. Yeah, um, I think around this time was when I really started wanting the Bruce Dickinson solo record. Uh huh. That was punchy and uh-huh. heavy and I know we're, we're due to get one in 2024 yep. finally yep. which I can't wait for but yeah, yeah. what's interesting too the, it, that's that's you, you know that's another good point too is that you were having these punchy Bruce records and granted beyond Yannick and you just you didn't have the same cast of people doing it, but if Bruce was having that kind of influence, it's like 
Why don't we see it here? Is it that Steve was so overriding with everything? I think Bruce wanted to do this stuff. Or is it that, okay, maybe it's, then maybe it's that. He's like, he, wanted, he likes to do the short, punchy stuff with Roy, and he comes over and does everything else with Steve and Kevin that's like this. Hmm. Hmm. I think he just got his, maybe he just got his uh, creative fill just doing stuff like this. He was able to do it one or two punchy songs, and then, yeah. oh, I, I want to write more experimental music. Hmm. Um, and again, they, they like they just they just love working with Kevin Shirley. Yeah. I think Bruce has said many times that he loves the way Kevin works. Um, it's very inspiring for him. He loves the fact that he records the band live. They're all in the, in the same studio. Yeah, working together. That yeah, they, I mean, they're they, all they write quickly, and then they go in and record what they've written. I mean, they're optimal players, so they can do the live thing, and. They are so much into each other's heads as well. So, yeah, it does work out well. Kevin's got a pretty unique workflow as well. Um, and it does it does force a commitment as you're playing to be like, yep, nope, that's the part we're going with. So it, it, is, a, it is a kind of a unique way of doing it. Yeah. Um, just a couple of things before we finish up. I think these albums definitely highlight how good a drummer Nico is. There's more room in the songs for him to play. Yep. He doesn't play the same thing over and over and over again. No, he's all over the place. There's yeah. actually a couple of these where it's like, eh, damn, he's channeling Ringo in this song. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to, but the thing too is you have to really listen. It's like, and some of them, the drums are, are like really low in the mix. And it's, but you just listen and you're like, wow, he's, he's, Really, he's doing something that he's kind of breathing in with the beat, and, and it's like, wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think the drum sound on, on A Matter of Life and Death is really good. I think yep. it's the best of the three of them. Um, the other thing, and I'm going to throw a hypothetical out there. So you we, you know that the fans are out there, and they're not really on board with these records. They feel mm-hmm. in a way that the band has gone up you know, its own arse and gone too experimental. Mm-hmm. Um just say Yannick wasn't in the band and it was the five of them. Do you still think they'd feel the same way? Or did they just have this thing in their head that Yannick's in the band um, and they've gone and experimented? No, no, I, that's a good question. But to me, as much as I shit on Yannick, um, and he's a good player, um, it's just the weird number of people. <laughs> uh, so that's just, that's just the OCD. <laughs> but no, I, I don't... Do you think they get think, more? Would they get more of a passive if it was just a five of them because it's the classic lineup? I don't think doing so. Doing this material, I don't think so. No, and 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 I think if anything, you'd expect more from the classic lineup. So like, so so like on on Final Frontier, it's it's it does boggle me that Adrian, who is like the commercial bent mastermind in songwriting is part and parcel to almost every one of these songs. Usually you can, like the, when the first single came out for Sinjitsu, right? As soon as I heard it, I'm like, that's Adrian right Smith's song. You know, you just, you just knew it. With these, you really are like, you read the credits and go, really? It's a freaking Adrian song? Mm. Yeah, he co-wrote Isle of Avalon. I'm like, Oof. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't, you're not getting normal like adrian even even if you look at at uh um the stuff on smith and cotson even though it's really not it's not like metal you can still hear that commercial vibe out of adrian i'm going to give adrian a bit of a a bit of a pass 
from what you're saying because I'm looking at the writing credits here for the last five songs, yeah. right? And okay, he he co-wrote Isle of Avalon, which I think is just not good. Um, he co-wrote Starblind, which I've already said. Uh, you like that? One. Like, yeah. I like that a lot. The Talisman was Yannick and Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the the man who will be king is Dave and Steve, mm-hmm. and then when the wild wind blows is Steve. Yeah. So he actually only writes two of the last five, and one of them is my favorite of the last five. Yeah. Um, I just usually when I I always associate. I've got a certain like songwriting sound and methodology and stuff that I always kind of associate with Adrian. And usually I'm pretty good about it. And, and this just breaks all of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. But just not a, not an album. I look back on fondly. <laughs> um, I think the way the band built it up, I was I had high hopes for it, and uh-huh. I think because the album before, the matter of life and death, I absolutely loved. Yeah, and this one was just oh, really some of it's good. And some this of it's this like, this oh. this is the Kiss Unmasked of the Iron Maiden catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Are we just gonna? Is that all we're gonna do? Is we're gonna pick other bands' worst albums uh. and say this is their version of that? This is their elder. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Shit, I forget about The Elder. I like The Elder. <laughs> I have to be in a certain mood to listen to it, but I, I, don't, I don't mind one album like that. In I just, so I remember that one when I was on the radio and pulling that out of the stack and being like, oh, wow, this one slipped by me. Because I was a huge Kiss fan growing up. And I put that on and it was like, oh, that's why this went by me. And then I'm looking and it's like, Bob Ezrin, really? What the fuck happened? I think he was coked out of his head <laughs> when, he did, when he was doing it. You, you would think with all the coke, it'd be a little more energetic, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, the elder. <laughs> there's, Eric, there's, welcome to Kiss. We're yeah. going to do a concept record called The Elder. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, what was the first record uh, Jimmy DeGrasse did to Megadeth let's do Risk <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah you come out of Brave New World you think you got some like okay maybe we got something happening here Dance of Death I think for me starts to be not a not a barn burner but it was least kind of you know a new hope and and then yeah it's it just I know for you, you you really love a matter of life and death. Brilliant. It wasn't that Fabulous big epic for me. Um, and then yeah, Final Frontier still puzzles me to this day. But that's the thing with these records. There are certain people who are listening to this. They're going to go, "What the fuck are you talking about? Final Frontier Absolutely. is a fucking masterpiece." Yeah. And good for you. Yeah. You love it. Yep. Good for you. I don't. Yep. That's like there's and millions of people diff- out there that like some we've of already, this rap stuff. We've already like, talked no. about these records tonight. And there's albums I think are, are great. Yep. And you don't. Right. That's the whole point in doing exactly. this. It'd be a fucking boring world if I went, that's great. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. You're not a true fan if you don't like that. I'm like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. You know, don't get me started on this true <laughs> fan bullshit. You know? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, so we've got two more to do. Two more. Unless they, like, I don't know, maybe they're going to come maybe, out with another maybe, album for Christmas, know, maybe, you know? Maybe, maybe, we'll, know. maybe we'll talk about... 
I think one we might throw in there is we'll we'll listen to a couple of their more recent live albums. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know there's a Rock in Rio and there's, I think, nearly every tour they nearly do a live video or a live album there. And we might maybe discuss what our thoughts yeah, on, you got on your those. Flight 666 and... Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, we, maybe we could pick up a couple of highlight non-studio ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe Bruce's album will be up by the time we do the next one of these. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah, um, when we're recording this, I believe the band are in Mexico. They're on tour or somewhere. They are on tour. Or are they in Canada? I thought they were still in Canada. Oh, was it Canada? Unless they just okay. finished Canada, but yeah. Okay. So they're in Canada and I believe the set is more or less, more or less the same. There's nothing that polarizes fans in metal more than a set list for Iron Maiden. Yep. But, I mean, they've got a pretty damn big freaking catalog, too. And, again, I, even though I might like, you know, a lot of the older stuff, I can't begrudge them of pull out a new song and play it because, shit, they've been doing this for so long. and Depends which song. I, I'm sure they enjoy, like, playing something different and if it really gets to me i go don't get a go. beer or go don't take a go. whiz or whatever don't go but, but i like most of the stuff so but it's a, ba- a band on that level playing the venues that they're playing yeah they don't they can't change the set list this well i know metallica do it and for, they're able i don't know how they're able to do it and other bands aren't you maybe you have an answer to that well part well, of it is at least for Maiden, and you, and so you mentioned about like doing videos and things like that. A lot of the ones for Maiden too, it's the case of they're wearing the same clothes every single night for recording videos. Is that why they're yeah. doing it? It's that simple. So you can you can switch out night for night. You can do all of that stuff, and so there's 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 a lot of that. There's that look. There's there's a lot of tightly controlled with effects and pyro and things like that. And and you know a band like Metallica. They can switch out because they don't have, you know, a lot of, you know, blow up things happening and, you know, planes flying across and things like that. They've got a, okay, if they're going to play, you know, one, okay, they've got the stuff that goes on the video screen behind him and stuff. But if they want to throw something else in there afterwards, they've got a crew that's competent enough that they can ad lib lights and shit and, and go for it. And so they're able to do that. But you, Maiden's crew have been with them since day one. You yep, think they, they they're, you think you, you're not going to get a more well-oiled machine than them? Yeah, but they're they're they have a very tight production. That's the thing. Mm. Just like Kiss, Kiss isn't going to th- all of a sudden decide that they're going to break may, out uh, Torpedo think, Girl think, in the middle of Maiden, a set. You think Maiden are they're more of a visual band than Metallica? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they have they have that all of that. With Eddie and yeah, Metallica's very—they have a theme, they have a stage, but it's—it's very—it's stark. So they it's don't. It's the album cover. More, pretty most much. of the time, it's, yeah, it's a—it's a variation of the album right. cover hanging from the ceiling yeah. or on the drum kit or right or on the amp. So it's—it's it's, and and you got to figure that that's how they—they've always done it, right? That's what almost every thrash band out there—they're just—they're out there. They're going to play. They have it very minimal. Maiden, I mean, even when they you were playing... Half, you pissed off half our audience now by saying Metallica are a trash band. They've been a trash band since Cliff died. Uh, but, but Maiden, I mean, they've been doing, you know, having the bleeding Eddie head since freaking club yeah. days, right? So they've always been adding these type of things in there. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Want to throw a curveball in at the end? Okay. Right. Uh, have you seen anything in the U2 show doing the Sphere in Las Vegas? No. Okay. Overwhelming is how I'd say, how I'd describe it. Oh, yeah. It's the band are right in front of you, and okay. all you're doing is looking at everything around you. It's, it's, I, I, I'm sure it's fantastic to be at. Yeah. But my God, it's, it's just, oh, it's like going to see the best visual show you've ever seen. Yeah. That's normally just right behind the stage or on the stage all around you. Oh. And of course, everyone's cell phones. Oh, fuck that. You know? Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, would I like to see a metal band do something like that? Who would I like to see do it? Do, I don't know. At this stage of my life, I just want to see that band. I like to watch the band. Their songs. I like to watch the band. I mean, if you, like, you know, just going out, last in line. I'd take my phone out. You know, at, at one point, Nikki was like, hey, you want me to go, like, snap a couple pictures? And I'm like, yeah, if you want to, that'd be awesome. She's like, yeah, okay. And she's, she can get up front, no problem. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yeah, you just... Watch the band. I'll just take a couple pictures. I never, t- I never take my phone out. Never. She does it all the time for me. Like, cause she, I don't videotape anything. Whatever. If it's pictures, she's done the pictures for us. And I just, cause I'm, I just want to watch the band. Yeah. yeah. But there are, you know, plenty of people that were at the show that, yeah, every time they played a Dio song, cameras are above the head. And it's like, really? You got a live band in front of you. It's going to sound like shit. And, no, and even if you put it on YouTube, you're going to have six views. Yeah. And five of them will be your brothers and sisters yeah, and you so again. Like, I just, I'm there to watch the band. And I, I'm just, I'm grateful I have somebody with me that's willing to go, yeah, I'll, I'll go take a pic, couple pictures for you. You, just, you do your thing. Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, 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 there's been concerts in the past, when I look back on it now, where, you know, you couldn't get the cameras in. Years uh-huh. and years ago, yeah. you, you could, but it was fucking hard to yeah. do it. And you'd you'd love pictures of that, and that that's where the likes of Bill Hale and Ross Halfen right. and all these guys. That's their a lot it's of that makes their, those ones special. It's their too. bread and butter yeah. now that they were able to be at those shows. Right? Or fuck, what's what's the name of the fucking guy we had on? Mark Weiss. No, no, other than him, the last photographer we had on, his name will come to me. Shit, he he. I spoke to him about photographing Shankar and Randy Rhodes and oh my god I can't is it Bill oh fuck anyway you, you can edit it and put it in so the photographer in question that I let Richie kind of stumble through and he's right yeah here I am I'm going to edit it in post is uh, photographer Bill O'Leary and you can hear everything Bill talked about in two episodes episode 546 and 547 so go to uh focusonmetalpod.com look that up it's back in august i think of 2022 and listen to all the good stories from uh, bill o'leary but um i spoke to him for two days in a row about all the bands he'd photographed yeah and um he used to sneak cameras in and then eventually he got the clearance for to do it properly and he he photographed Rush and fucking Randy and eddie van hale and all that and these are the guys bring out the books and they have the shots and all that and you're thinking Fuck, I would have loved... I'm, I'm not saying yeah. I would have been able to get photos like that. Right. But I would have loved to take some photographs at shows I was at years ago. Right. I don't really have a desire to do that now at all. Yeah. Again, I'm like you. I just want to stand yeah. there and watch the band. Yeah, I mean, think about right when we, when we went and saw um, Glenn Hughes. 
And that fucking guy in front of us oh, that was, wanker. oh my God, he's playing Burn. And he's watched the whole song through his freaking cell phone. Wanker. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I was at a show a few years ago and some girl got a fucking iPad out and put it in front of her. Oh, you told me that, yeah. Right? And I'm thinking, you inconsiderate bitch. Yeah. There's people standing behind me. Right. And you have a fucking iPad over your head. Yeah. Taping the, the guy, you know. Yeah. Taking pictures or video of the guy. Not, I'm not giving a fuck about your blocking the view of the people behind. Right. Yeah. I'm like, a fucking, fucking iPad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I, I'm there to watch the show. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But that, that's when the security goes over and says, you. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, you had the, what, the last Safriani show we went to, there was people that were like doing live streaming on their Facebook, oh, you, the show. Like, that, are you kidding me? When you get bands like Dream Theater and, and the likes of Satriani and all that, all the shit hot musicians, mm-hmm. all the guys are interested, they'll zoom in, show me your fingers. What are your fingers doing on the fretboard? Mm. I'm just going to watch that for fucking two and a half hours, John <laughs> Petrucci. That's all I'm fixated on. Don't give a fuck about the songs or anything else. Oh my God, you're, you, you know, bowing down in yeah. front of them and all that. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm there for the, for the show. <laughs> it's, like, it's like going to church. Just yeah, you can just get one of these guitar. instructional videos and zoom in on that at home. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are we talking about? All right, no, we went down a, we're down a fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, so we will try to get to the last one before the end of the no, year. We will. We will. Because um, we'll have nothing else. Yeah. Um, you never know. Shit pops up. Right? <laughs> Shit pops up. All right. But that, I think, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week. Yep. Stick a fork in it. This maiden puppy is done. So for myself and uh, Richie, until we talk to you again next week, have yourself a great metal week. And remember, focus on metal. Still here? It's over. Go home.